Welcome to the Money Mentors podcast, hosted by myself, Glenn Fairburn, and my colleague, Nathan Lear. We're both certified financial planners and have in excess of 25 years experience. We're brought to you by Hewison Private Wealth, who's one of Australia's leading independent financial planning and wealth management firms. Today's topic is taking control of your finances and how to manage a personal budget. Hope you enjoy it. So welcome everyone and thank you for joining us for today's podcast. Um, Nathan, one of the things that motivated me to talk about this specific topic um, more loosely, I suppose, surrounding controlling your personal finances was uh, recently our, our business went away for its annual staff conference, which is really just an opportunity for us to review our business, look at ways to improve the way that we service our clients, um, look at ways to innovate our, our service delivery. But one of the things that we discussed, I suppose, at, at the closing part of the conference was just reviewing our team meeting, where we sort of, I suppose, at the end of each week, spend a little bit of time having a bit of fun. But also, um, one, one of the things that was raised was areas of improvement and, and having some personal development. Um, and I suppose I probably take it for granted because we work in the industry and we're very close to finances. But one of the things that was raised by a number of people within our business um, was the, the, I suppose the demand or the, the need to perhaps get some more training or education around personal financial management, so budgeting. Um, a, a lot of our staff don't have budgets or find it very difficult to, um, I suppose, get a start. Um, what, what did you think about that? Were you a bit shocked or...? Yeah, I was extremely surprised. I think uh, more so the fact that they work for a, a wealth management business and, and they do deal with, uh, I guess, clients' money every day that, that, that a lot of staff, for whatever reason, um, neglect their own their own finances. And yeah, I was definitely very surprised. What, what do you think that, I mean, not only our staff, but I think a lot of people out there don't have budgets. Um, what, why do you think that's the case? Do you think it's because it's just too hard or people don't know how to do it? I think it's... Because it's not necessarily fun. I think you know when I talk, have a discussion with clients around budgeting, it's it's just not fun. You have to, and maybe there's some hard truths that people need to face up to. Like if you go back yeah. and look at your last three months or last year of expenditure, you know they'll say, oh gee, all that money's going on wine or you know, eating out for dinners, and and maybe they don't want to face reality. I yeah. think maybe that's why people don't actually face up and do budgets. Yeah, look, I think it it's one of those things that. It does require a little bit of work, but as we've spoken about quite a lot and have ongoing discussions with our clients, it really is important. And in preparation for today's discussion, I just did a little bit of research just to see what, like, how many people do actually have budgets and and track their expenditure. And I was almost alarmed to see that um, one in three Australians are actually living paycheck to paycheck, whether that be week to week, month to month. Um, and, and my immediate thought looking at that was it's pretty dangerous, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't take a lot um, for, your, for your personal finances to get away with from you. Um, in, in our last discussion, we we're talking about the um, interest rate environment and you know, if people are sort of living week to week, month to month at the moment and have mortgages, um, it, it is pretty scary as to what might happen when rates start to rise because as we know, we're at all-time lows at the moment and there's, there only seems to be one way and that's one, that's up. Um, so it, it is a little bit concerning if people are running their household finances so tightly. That's right. And with, with budgeting, you, you do need to hopefully build in a little bit of fat and interest rates are very low at the moment. We spoke about last week and 
yeah, they are probably going to go up. We don't know when, but they probably will. So you, you almost need to assume uh, in your budgeting uh, maybe a bit of a buffer in terms of your loan repayments if you have a loan um, to you know protect you if interest rates do move up sharply. No doubt. Where do you think the best place to start is? In terms of budgeting or... Yeah, I think just budgeting or, or yeah. just managing your household finances in general. I think one thing I would often talk about with clients is uh, just, just understand where you're spending your money at the moment. So really a lot of as we've spoken about a lot of a lot of people don't don't actually know they, they, they know probably what they're earning but they don't know what they're spending and they don't know if they're saving anything so one thing i often speak about is if you're if you're a salaried employee and you have a, a monthly or weekly pay whatever cycle you're on firstly just understand what your net pays um, then you kind of know what's coming in the bank account each each month and then you can then you can spend a little money, a little bit of time on the on the budget, on the budgeting side. So, in terms of how you do that, I suppose it depends on how you want to do it. But quite often, you'll look back at the last three months or the last uh, year of your spending, and then so you know what you've got coming in each year, and then you know what you've got going out, and then you know what you can work with. That's yeah. how I'll generally approach it. I, I would agree, and I think that in the end, you've got to bite the bullet and actually do the hard work, and, and perhaps that's that's the main thing. Um, it's just getting started. It's like any sort of fitness program, isn't it? You just need to actually get started. Um, and look, it is a big task to work through a years of expenditure. But I think the danger of doing it too short term is that you can miss some of those really lumpy expenses. I mean, if I think about my personal um, expenses and budget, there's expenses that come up once a year that can be mm. quite high. So household rates, um, registration. Uh, so I think it is a matter of 100% understanding where your money is, is actually going on, on, a, on a yearly basis. Um, and you don't have to get too you know, convoluted and complex with how you do that. I think one thing a lot of people do is actually forget things. So forget expenditures. So they, 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 however you do it, I mean, I, I know you're going to talk about a couple of tools perhaps out there in, in a moment, but they might sit down with a pen and paper or a spreadsheet and they start putting, okay, um, you know, what are my main expenses? expenses? Mortgage. Um, gas bill, water bill, insurances, whatever, and then they forget about the obvious things like I don't know, maybe medical stuff or um, or I don't know, eating out for dinner. They they people just forget things, and then I often find people will start doing a budget, and then they'll come back and and they're like, oh, that just seems you know I'm pretty sure I'm spending more than fifty thousand dollars a year, but that's what it come out at, and then they and they realise. So I think perhaps actually fully thinking about what your expenses are and maybe using some of the tools out there to help you get everything down. Exactly. And I think the beauty of today's day and age, everyone's got internet banking. There's not many people that don't have that. Um, and I know with, with the NAB, I mean, when you log on, it actually gives you a complete outline as to where your money's going. So I think the tools available now do make it a lot easier. Whereas in the past, you're probably digging through bank statements and so forth or, or receipts and things like that. But um, I mean, to be honest, I would say there's really no excuse now because the information's there at your fingertips. You just need to do that, that hard work. And there's some really good tools um, as far as managing expenses that, w- that we'll go through. But I think a, a perfect start is the Money Smart website, which is a free service provided by the, the government. They've got some really good budget planners there. So there's no doubt that the first step in really taking hold of your personal finance is just sitting down, doing the work, spending the time, and understanding where you spend, where your money is actually going, um, because as you were saying, I mean that that's one part of it is is expenditure, but it's also income, um, and and I think it, it's just as important to understand your income. But also, I think the danger always is that on the expense side of things, 
at least when you do a budget, you can potentially identify areas of excess because as you were saying, people sort of live day to day, week to week and, and money's being spent. They can't really identify where the money's going and then if they're looking at a longer term goal, whether it be a housing deposit or a holiday, they sort of think that they can't afford it because that they can't, you know, they don't have any savings initially. But I think working through this program of just understanding where your money's going, that's a better way for you to identify, okay, where can I potentially cut back and set some funds aside for, you know, a shorter term objective or a longer term objective. Sure. And and, and the whole process will basically allow you to take control over your financial situation and and, and maybe maybe you're living day to day. I don't know, maybe maybe you still have a good good strong income and you and you're saving a lot of money but um, I mean one of the things that we do is is tie it all back to objectives so actually understand you know what your longer term objectives are if that's around paying debt so okay you know, you might have to put a bit more onto your mortgage to, to pay that debt off a bit quicker or to you know build a sum of money to to help you retire or if you're younger younger you might be just wanting to to save that ten thousand dollars for that European holiday so it's just a matter of actually working out what you want to achieve as well. So the, I think the objective piece is really important when you're looking at a budget. Yeah, exactly. But I think also on the income side of things, I mean, the, the easiest way to um, solve any sort of uh, financial issues is obviously to try and earn more. Um, but I think there's perhaps, I'm not sure if you agree, but is, is there too much of an emphasis on trying to generate more income as opposed to perhaps looking at your expenditure? When you say generate more income, do you mean via like a pay rise or? Yeah, like people just think that oh, if I earned more, everything would be so much better. I think it's a yeah, probably probably a combination of both. Yeah, I mean it's both ways, isn't it? Oh, I, yeah. I think so. I mean that that's often the the um the, the easy fix, but I think it's also, um, I mean if I think about my own personal situation, as I've sort of progressed through my career, I think there is a temptation that as you earn more, you sort of your lifestyle is, is perhaps increasing at the same rate. So I think it really is important to get the right balance between prudent financial management where you're taking care of your expenditure um, but also perhaps you know loosening the purse strings a little bit and enjoying life. Yeah, and it's the people that don't have a budget that can't control that and you think back to you know your first job out of uni, for example, what you were earning. Yeah. Who knows what that figure would have been and, and perhaps look at what you're earning now, um, 10, 15, 20 years on, whatever it might be and you know, people often look back and say, I don't know how I got by on that on that pay, but they did. Yeah. But and all of a sudden, you know, your expenses just go with it. So I think it's a balancing act. You you know, as you work up the ranks and, and start getting paid more, you wanna you wanna enjoy yourself more, but at the same time you wanna be you wanna be disciplined and if you have a budget, I guess you wanna stick to your budget as well. Yeah, and, and I think um I mean Warren Buffett's someone that we've probably quoted a bit in our first podcast and we'll continue to do so going forward, but one of his big um philosophies is delayed gratification isn't it like invest some today so that you can enjoy it down the track um so yeah i think it's, it's an interesting way to to look at things um but but i think also if, if i think about my experiences with clients who have been able to generate a, 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 a you know a substantial level of wealth um it's not necessarily always people who have earned a lot of income yes as we we're saying you know i mean earning income is going to be a massive um, leg up when, when you're looking at those sort of situations but ultimately it really does come down to not necessarily how much you earn but how much you spend isn't it and, and wealth's relative I mean what one person's definition of wealth could be completely different to someone else's but I, I think you know even, even on lower incomes with the, the, the best way to start and to help you 
on the right path to some sort of financial freedom is, is to just get that budget done, isn't it? Yeah, it's so important and probably more important the less you earn. Uh, I, I think I, I think if you earn hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, like good money, budgeting is still very important because it really straightens you out with your objectives and can help help you get to where you want to get to as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was going to ask you because I, I find in my experience that the more, generally speaking, generalization here, but the more people earn, the less they probably care about budgeting. Have you found that? I think, it's a, I think that's where it becomes almost a reverse budget. I mean, we've been talking about budgeting in the sense of um, how much can I afford to spend? But budgeting could also be looking at, okay, I, I was, you know, it may be in a situation where you earn more than enough money to meet your expenses, so that's not really an issue. But it's perhaps looking at, okay, what's my medium and longer-term goal and how much do I have to save? And that can be a budget as well. So it's not always just around looking at what you're spending. Mm. It, it can be working in reverse and, and setting in place a budget, like a savings target. So I think there's two extremes, one for the high high income earners, one for the um, you know medium to low income earners. There's different ways to run to run a budget, um, and it really has to be tailored to what your specific situation is. Yeah, as I said earlier, understanding your goals and objectives, and and like you just said, then working backwards. If you if you've got a retirement goal, you're approaching retirement, and you know you need X amount of dollars, and you know you need to save X amount of dollars each year to get there, you've almost got to put that into your budget as an expense somewhat. You know, if you need to save $50,000 a year to get there, you need to make sure you're saving $50,000 a year because otherwise you're compromising your, in that case, your retirement goal. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great thought that if you do have a savings goal, um, working out how much do you need to put away each sort of pay pay period and yeah, putting that in your budget as an expense, there's no better way to get to it mm. or to achieve that objective without actually making it a mandatory thing. One thing I was going to bring up, which I think a, a lot of people possibly don't necessarily make full, full or take full advantage of which i think they should is just automation so in this day and age with um you know in internet banking and you know technology it's so easy just to automate you know where, where your you know what your, your pay comes in the door every every week say and then you know what your expenses are but for some reason a lot of people maybe you know they just want to do it ad hoc you know i, I want to save i figured out i can save hundred dollars a week i'll just transfer that hundred dollars um you know once a month and they'll probably just spend it because it's sitting there's no goal is there there's no there's no sort of um accountability towards it yeah it might just be sitting in their account but if they if they save okay i want to save a hundred dollars a week so on the day i get paid i want a hundred dollars to go off to whatever account that is for that hundred dollars um that will take away any temptation for that person won't it if they they don't see the money it goes in their account and it leaves the next day or the same day yeah, I think there's a there's a massive advantage in setting up multiple accounts, um, and it, it is something that I know that Scott pa- Barefoot Investor has sort of preached for a number of years, and I, I think we would agree with that that you'd need multiple accounts for expenses, an emergency fund, and also you might have multiple accounts for short, medium, or long term goals. And, and as as you were saying, Nathan, I mean, there's no better way to manage your finances than just have automatic direct debits in place that as soon as you get paid money is directed to expenses um, to, to to leisure but also those short medium and long-term goals because then you know you, you know you're sort of working through life as i was saying earlier a lot of people are just living week to week at least with that sort of arrangement as you earn income you know that everything's being taken care of and i think as we said earlier the, the biggest step is to work out how much you're spending 
Um, but but also one of the suggestions that, that, that I would have when you're looking at your expenses um, is really dividing your expenses into needs and wants because there's obviously things that we need to pay for to, to maintain life. So food, um, electricity, clothing to a certain extent. Um, so if you can set up a regular direct debit each week or each month, however frequent you get paid, that accounts for all those expenses, then you know on a week-to-week basis the money's there when a big bill comes. I mean, there's nothing worse when you, you know, if you just paid down your credit card bill and then, you, then the rates are due or the registration comes and your bank account's been depleted. But if you've got that separate account for your expenses that you're making provision on a week-by-week basis, it just makes it so much easier. I mean, that's, that's what I do. I think you do a similar thing. It just makes, it, um, makes life easier, doesn't it? Yeah, I think design a system that works for you because I, I think it's hard to tell people how to how to use you know multiple bank accounts or i think you know just use a system that works for you i i probably do it similar to you where i have you know i I guess an account so somewhat for expenses but and then but some people might want to create multiple multiple bank accounts one for savings one for long-term expenses one for short-term expenses great i think just do whatever works for you design a system that you know works and then and then own it and control it from there and i think also keeping it simple Mm. (laughs) i think with a lot of things whether it's budgeting or investment we, we just try to overcomplicate things too much. Um, and, and look, there's a number of tools out there that can help you budget. Um, I know I just do it on an old Excel spreadsheet and that works for me. Um, so I think, you know, the advice would be just, as you were saying, Nathan, just do what works for you. And if it's a piece of paper, fine. If it's a spreadsheet, fine. We'll go, we'll go through a few, um, you know, apps that are, that are available in, in a moment. But would you agree that just do whatever, as you were saying, do what works for you? Yeah, I use a spreadsheet. Uh, I know there's some some good some good apps and tools out there which you'll talk about in a moment. And I often quote that you mentioned it earlier, the the ASIC Money Smart website. I, I think that the reason I really like that tool is because it lists all your expenses, so it actually breaks it down into like you know utilities and all of that, you know medical insurances. So it's a good prompter for people now whether they want to use that tool, which is good, or they just want to kind of cherry pick the some of the headings that they want to use and then put into their own spreadsheet um i, I think just yeah use the system that works for you yeah i mean i would agree that the money smart um website which has been developed by asic i think that's a great start as an online tool um but they also have developed um two apps so one is uh, a track my spend app and, and that just enables you to um, I suppose do it a little bit easier on the go. So most, you know, you, you might have a budget tool at home, whether it be a spreadsheet or a, um, the Money Smart facility where you can sort of track your expenditure. But the advantage of this particular app um, that I sort of researched with the Track My Spend app is that you can manually just add expenses as they come up. So it's on your phone, very easy to do. Um, and I suppose an expansion on that, given that that tool is quite manual, um, there's another app, which is um, freely available, which is called Pocketbook. Um, and the advantage of this over the, the track my, uh, I think it's just a matter of um, just giving it a go and just starting. If you want to get somewhere, um, there's no better way to start than just putting a budget in place. Yeah, that, that's right. Just just get working on it. There's, that's, the, that's the hardest thing actually sitting down and it probably takes a, a good couple of hours. I know I've, I've had clients come back to me and they say that it took, took a while, but it's... Uh, it's all beneficial if it can help you achieve what you want to achieve. Um, what, one thing I was going to mention before was just around um, the whole concept of a pay rise. So if you set up a, a, a really a really tight budget or waterproof budget where you've got 
you know everything automated and going where it needs to go and then and then all of a sudden you get that you get that pay rise excellent i've got a pay rise i think the tendency of most people is to just uh absorb that pay rise we spoke about it a bit earlier but one thing one thing i really like to see people do is just be smart about that pay rise and if you have uh, a loan for example i'd say that's where i'd want to put it just depending on your objectives again but if you've got a non-deductible home loan and you get a pay rise wouldn't the logical thing be i mean you might enjoy some of it the pay rise i mean doesn't all have to go to debt but i think the smart thing to do would be to put some of that or if not most of it onto the debt wouldn't keep living the life you're living absolutely i mean if you're living within your means on the salary you're receiving now and you get a pay increase i think there's no doubt that it's just a matter of finding the right balance but also prioritizing if you want to be debt free you need to work towards that it's like any goal in life I think you know if you want to get somewhere that there has to be some sacrifice. So I would hundred percent agree with you. The other thing that I'd that I'd suggest is that, um, which I think perhaps a lot of people fell into the trap of, and we're probably not going to see many more rate reductions anytime soon. But you know, just, just I suppose something to bear in mind in future is that if you're paying a loan at a higher interest rate and the bank cuts the rates, the tendency there is to reduce your repayments, isn't it? I mean, I see it so much with with friends and colleagues, but if you just maintain that that repayment that you've become used to, it can actually go a long way to just repaying that loan so much so much quicker. Yeah, it can knock can knock years off the loan. And I was actually just going to make the point before people talk about budgeting, but I think if anyone that has a loan, I think you're so smart. If you there's so many calculators, loan calculators online, like go to the bank websites, they've all got them, and just plug in what your loan balance is, plug in what your interest rate is, and plug in what your repayments are. And you can see how long it's going to take you to repay your loan. Yeah, match that against what your goal is. <laughs> yeah, and, and then if, if you just add a little bit more to the repayments, you'll see the the effect that it can have on reducing time off the loan. So I think it's, you know, if you've got a yeah, goal to repay your loan as soon as possible and you can see the impact of an extra, I don't know, $50 a week or whatever, it, it, over a 30-year loan, it'll probably knock a couple of years off your loan. I think that's a great segue yeah. into what I, what I wanted to chat about briefly was just um, repaying debt. And, and debt can be broken down into a number of different parcels. Obviously, a lot of people out there might have mortgages. They're more of a long-term debt. And at the moment, we're very fortunate. Interest rates are very low. Um, but one area that interest rates don't tend to be very low is, is credit cards and personal loans. And when you, if, you're, if you're carrying a large credit card debt, that's probably got a massive cost embedded in that. So I mean, one of my suggestions would be that when you're looking at your finances, once you've worked out what you're spending, um, once you've sort of put in place an appropriate structure to help you manage that expenditure is before you start doing anything, just try and focus on repaying those high interest loans as much as possible because they're just so expensive. I mean, a lot of credit cards now, I think they're still almost around 20% per annum. That is a substantial cost. I think it's almost the, it's almost the 101 of debt reduction is debt consolidation. And if you have credit card or personal loans um, and you've got equity in your home, I mean, just re- refinance it. You don't want to blow out your home loan, obviously, but it's smarter if you're paying an interest rate at 4 or 5% versus 7, 8, 9, 10 for a personal loan and 20% for a credit card. So that's probably the, the first thing that you'd want to do to, to get your, your debt in order, isn't it? Yeah. Consolidation. I mean, what do you think on the, as far as um, cost of living and so forth, do, do you think it's more expensive? Did Gen Y have it harder than perhaps... The baby boomers did. I mean, what's what's his take on that? We off, you know, there was I think there was a um, there was a report recently. I think it was on the Four Corners report that you mentioned how the the um, property sort of 
expert was saying that if, if younger people stopped spending so much money on smashed avocado, maybe they'd be able to get into the market. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, was he right? I think that was a, a different report, but yeah, he he uh, he copped a lot of heat for that comment, yeah. saying yeah, people should, younger people should stop focusing on lattes and smashed avocados and maybe move a bit further out where it's more affordable. Oh, look, I think it's it's hard, it's difficult that one to comment because everyone's different, and I mean, it just dep- people spend differently, and it comes down to what you want, and you, I guess, in life, you have to make compromises, don't you? Yeah, compromise, but I also think um, compared to perhaps previous generations. I think a lot of younger people are starting to work later as well. They're probably not starting their careers until almost their mid-20s. I mean, it's not uncommon for people to... Obviously, university is a major driver for, for a lot of people now moving to that tertiary space. So they might do four years of university, maybe take a year off and travel. So f- I think for a lot of the Gen Y, they're not starting to earn income until their mid-20s. Um, and obviously, expenses you know, don't, don't become any less. And, and maybe that's that's the difference between generations looking at comparing how where they were at in their mid-20s perhaps to where people are now. But there's, there's that ongoing debate, isn't there? I mean, who, who was in a better situation? I mean, yeah, property prices were lower 20, 30 years ago, but then if you talk to your parents, they keep saying how high interest rates were, whereas now property prices are obviously a lot higher, but interest rates are very, very low. So I think it's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? And mm. it's very much tailored to the individual because there are some young people who manage their finances very well there are others who are probably haven't got the, the the balance quite right. Yeah, it is, and I mean the whole the whole there's been a big shift in I guess pro- property we, we spoke about with uh it, it's it is getting harder and harder to buy that that family home in a, in a in a desirable location close to the city. So so people are having to make compromises. Either they're they're moving further out for that for that nice family home, or they. Or well, they might move to more apartment style living. Um, I mean, in Melbourne, still apartment style living is very low relative to, uh, for example, Europe and Asia and other parts of the world. Is so re- do you reckon rent vesting's an appropriate way for? Us? We'll focus on younger people because that, that seems to be the challenge in entering the property market. Where, as we were saying, I mean, a lot of the employment opportunities are in a city, whether it's Melbourne, Sydney, whatever it may be. Um, so I think a lot of young people almost feel forced to live close to the city. And obviously, would love to own their own home. So, do you think the 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 rent vesting arguments a valid one? Possibly. So, just to explain rent vesting, if people haven't heard of it, you rather than buy buy a house to live in, um, you'll buy a property which you'll turn into an investment property, um, and then at the same time, you may you may rent. Um, and that I guess just it might give you a bit more freedom in terms of where you can live because you can maybe rent somewhere that's affordable. And you might buy a house somewhere else, for example, in a different location. Is that, that, is that how you'd explain rent Yeah, vesting? I think so. But I think also um, one of the advantages perhaps is at least you're getting into the market. Yeah. Because a lot of people, yeah. obviously the market's grown so well. People feel as though that fear of missing out. Um, and I suppose one of the advantages of rent vesting is, is one, perhaps renting closer to work is more cost effective than buying closer to work. Um, but at least if you're buying a property in the outer suburbs, perhaps which is more affordable, at least you're getting that footprint into the market and it can be a stepping stone. You can progressively move closer and closer. Obviously, there's costs involved, but I think it's an option that people should consider if, if they do need to live in a city um, without overextending themselves. I think that's a key thing as well, isn't it? You know, you don't want to be in a position where you're running your budget so tight and, you, and you've overextended yourself and then interest rates start to rise and it all starts to hurt and your budget becomes even tighter and tighter because... Although operating a budget 
um, is a great start and understanding your needs and wants and where money needs to be going. That you know, a piece of string is only so long, isn't it? I mean, you can't, you know, you can only cut your expenses so much on on the luxury side of things. And that if your fixed costs are increasing, like interest rate rises, you've got to factor all that into it. So, um, breathing space in there, assume higher interest rates. Um, but get back, get, getting back to rent, the old rent vesting argument, I think it, yeah, I think it is a. Uh, at least it's a start for people. I think if you want to put that foot in the market, that that's the main reason I'd consider doing rent vesting or recommending someone do it to get to get exposure to the market. Because a lot of a lot of people you speak to, that's their number one fear with the property market at the moment. I mean, we as we spoke about last week, we we who knows? We don't want to make a prediction as to what's going to happen, whether we'll keep running or or or, or slow down or whatever. But I think if if people are worried about that and you want to get that exposure into the market, yeah, rent vesting is a way you can do it. Yeah, and, and I mean, I suppose quite often we hear the comment "rent money is dead money," and it's probably more of a, uh, a it is a sort of an age-old topic. But I think, without sort of getting too complex, the, the important thing to bear in mind when you're looking at do I rent versus do I buy is to look at okay, what's my interest cost going to be on the property that I'm buying? And let's just say, for example, you have to go out and borrow a million dollars, and interest rates are four percent. That's forty thousand dollars per year, just in interest payments. That's not repaying principal. That's not really making any inroads into getting more equity in your property. Now, if you can rent that same property, and let's just say it's twenty five thousand a year, then purely from a cash flow side of things, you're actually better off renting. Um, obviously, you're not getting the capital growth in the property, and that's a key consideration. But I wouldn't necessarily go down the path of of saying that renting is always a bad thing because. I think what renting does, it gives you the flexibility to perhaps live in an area or a location that maybe you just couldn't afford if you had to buy it. Yeah, and and, and on a similar note, I had a, a client the other day that that um they're renting a, I think they're paying about sixty thousand dollars a year in rent, so they're renting a nice place. So it's probably worth, I think it was two three million dollars. Yeah. Um, and and they'd worked out if they if they purchase that property and use finance, the repayments on that would be. I don't know, a lot more than that. So they made the call, look, we're, we're going to rent. Um, it suits us at the moment and we might buy down the track. So I think it just depends on, on, on the individual and what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, I think that's 100% right. Mm. But, but I suppose also when you're looking at um, taking control of your finances and managing day-to-day, um, I think you know, quite often we talk about just setting goals and prioritizing those goals. Um, I mean, if you don't know where you want to go, it's very hard to put in place the appropriate steps to get there. Um, so, so once you've put in place your budget, once you've got your sort of systems and structure in place, once you've got rid of all those sort of high interest loans, I think that's where you can really sit back and, and, and really write them down, you know, your short, medium and long-term goals. I mean, there's been, I think a lot of people say that the moment you write them down, you become more accountable to them. Um, so, I, I mean, I couldn't espouse strong enough how important it is to sit down and work through your short, medium, and long-term goals. I think goal setting is absolutely paramount when you're looking at managing your finances. Exactly. That's the, that's the end goal. I mean, you almost have to work backwards with these things. But work out the goals and then, you, and then you know what you need to do to pay off debt, save to get to those goals. It's huge. Yeah. So, look, just to, um, j- just to recap, I suppose, I've just sort of written down here some of the, the, fi- the main tips that we've spoken about today to try and take control of your finances. Um, Nathan and I spent obviously a little bit of time working through the importance of, of setting up a budget. So really det- understanding where your money's going, 
um, and, and, and also secondly, dividing those expenses into need and, needs and wants. So firstly, you can ensure that you've got the, the, the right budget in place to meet those essential expenses like rates, rent, mortgage repayments, gas, electricity, but also on the want side of things, look at identifying areas that may be excessive so that when you start looking at what your short, medium and long-term objectives are, you can understand um, what capacity you have to achieve those objectives. Um, obviously, the importance of repaying those high interest loans as, as quickly as possible. For a lot of people, interest costs, whether it be mortgage, but probably, I suppose, more importantly, credit cards and, and personal loans, the interest costs on those loans can, can be a substantial proportion of your total expenses. Um, and I suppose as important as all of those four things that we've spoken about is really listing your goals and objectives. As we were saying, um, it, it's very hard to get anywhere if you don't know where you're going. Um, and look, my suggestion would be to list your short-term goals, anything within, within 12 months, um, your medium, so maybe one to threes, and also your longer-term goals, which could be sort of mortgage repayment or, or, or repaying debt. So really the importance of just taking that first step, do a budget, understand where you're spending money, um, prioritize your expenses, and also set those goals. I think that's, that, that's definitely going to set you on the um, right path towards managing those finances. Thank you for listening to the Money Mentors podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's session. To reach out to us, feel free to email us at moneymentors at hewison.com.au. Uh, don't, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and feel free to leave a review and also rate the podcast. Um, today we're brought to you by Hewison Private Wealth. Uh, to hear more about Hewison Private Wealth, please check out the website www.hewison.com.au Also, if you'd like to search for Hewison Private Wealth via social media on LinkedIn, Twitter or Facebook. We look forward to having you at our next podcast.